You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church Podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. Exodus chapter 3. If you have it, say amen. I'm going to be beginning in verse 7. We talked last week about enduring as seeing him who is invisible. We talked a whole lot about potential. We talked about how that, that uh, Moses was able to endure so much. And God began talking to me and kind of piggybacking on what we kind of talked about and where we left off last week. So I wasn't really talking about a series uh, last week, but the Lord started messing with me again this week. And so when he started messing with me, I had to just stop what I was planning, and, and I just wanted to share this with you this morning. Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Listen to what the Word of God says. And the Lord says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land. Did you catch that? He's bringing them out of the land of the Egyptians to a good and large land. I have a feeling that I'll be talking about that sometime soon. Anyway, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Verse 10. Come now therefore, and I will send you. Look at your neighbor and say you. I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Oh Lord. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, I love this. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Brother Miratis, and when God starts talking to you, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who that you may be. It doesn't matter what your problem is. It doesn't matter what your situation is. It doesn't matter what your zip code is. Whenever God starts talking to you, every excuse he can be able to cover. Oh, Jesus. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel up out of Egypt? Verse 12, And so he said, I will certainly, praise God, be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Catch this very, very closely. He said, the very time that you have known that I am with you and that I have sent you, the evidence of that point will be this. When you've done what i told you you can do. Now that is so much like God. That He will begin to talk to you about doing something 
And you start saying, oh God, oh God, oh God. And he says, I'm going to be with you. And you say, oh God, oh God, oh God. And he says this, I'm going to show you that I am with you. But I'm going to show you in victory. Now you just do what I told you to do. Oh, Jesus. See, that's where sometimes we get all caught up in a whole bunch of mess. Is we want to come to a place that we want God sometimes to walk us through everything. And we want Him to be able to prove to us that He is God before we ever start. But God sometimes says this. I want to be able to do something in you. But, oh Jesus. But the moment that you're going to see it is whenever you take the first step in it. Brother and sisters, some of you have been wondering and some of you have been wondering the valley and the shadow of just all kinds of indecision, all kinds of mess, and all kinds of stuff. And you have all this stuff in your heart. You say this and that. And you say, I don't understand why God has it done. Let me share this with you, brother and sister. God won't do anything unless you, your first self, do something. Thank you, Sister Kathy. Shake that hanky, sister. Shake that hanky. Sometimes you just got to do something. And as you begin to do, God begins to show himself. This, this morning, I want to preach on this topic. What is in your hand? Have you ever had a task that was seemingly bigger than you had the ability or time to be able to actually accomplish in yourself? About 10, 11, 12 years ago, somewhere around there, 10 years ago or so, we decided that we found something. It was a playset. My daughter, at the time, she was probably, I guess, probably, you know, four-ish, somewhere around there. Kayla was around seven, somewhere around there. And we found this playset that was just a great deal on this playset. And we was like, man, this is awesome. We're going to get this playset. And we're just going to hold on to it. And we're going to give it to McKenna at her birthday. Her birthday is June the 4th. Now, there's a problem with this. Because when I looked at it in the box, I thought, I can do this. No problem. And then when June the 4th, because it was something that uh, you couldn't really hide because you had to anchor it in the ground. You know, you had to put these little things in to keep it in the ground so it doesn't, when you're swinging, it doesn't go, woo. And so I had, uh, we couldn't really build it. And so I had to wait till the birthday party and say, this is what we have for you. And she looked at the box going, So on June the 4th, I began, right after the birthday party, began to build this thing. And I remember when I cut the bands on it, and I opened it up, and I saw this plethora of stuff. And I looked at it, I was like going, oh my God. And then, June the 4th means this, youth camps. And so something began to happen. I would go and I would run with the kids during days and I would leave for a couple of hours in the afternoon and I'd work on it. 
And I find myself over two or three weeks. Something that probably should have took me maybe a day to do to begin with. But it took me two or three weeks at every moment because I couldn't put a lot of time into it. And I realized something. This thing is bigger. Especially when I started putting pieces together and they wanted you to be able to hold up something and attach something and screw in something. I'm like going, I can't do all this myself. And I started at, and I'd come up and I'd be doing some of this and I would begin to ask, y'all think y'all give me a, could you let me borrow your muscles for a few minutes? They'd come over and hold and I'd screw in and screw in. And then I'd like, oh man, I got to go and I'd take off again. And it was just, it was just, I wanted to pull my hair out. I remember trying to get that thing done on a weekend before camp started. I remember having to have my wife hold a flashlight up over my head in the middle of the night, me trying to finish that stupid thing up. And I remember that after it was finally done, Kenny gets on and like, woo, 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 woo. And, okay. And I thought this should be something they should live in this thing, blessed be the name of the Lord. Do they not realize how much time and effort that it took for me to be able to do all this? Ah! It become, it, when I looked at it, it was bigger than what I could do myself. I needed help. And it was, the time was just crazy. Now, brother and sister, understand something. As I was going through that whole issue, and I was going through all that time. And I was going through all this stuff. As I began to go through that and I'd look at it day after day and I'd work on it and I'd say, whoo, I'm getting closer. And I'd look at all the parts remaining. I'd go, oh, Jesus, I'm nowhere near done. And I'd work at it some more and work at it some more. Brother and sister, can I just be able to share this with you? That God has a purpose for your life. That is much like that purpose that I had. I was building something so that someone could be able to be blessed. I was doing something with my ability. I was doing something to be able to be a blessing. But brother and sister, in the middle of it, I realized something. This is bigger than what I could be able to handle at the time. And I needed help to be able to physically do what I needed to do. Brother and sister, so many times in our life, whenever we begin to talk about purpose, and we begin to talk about potential, and we begin to talk about things that God can do in us with our giftings, and we can be able to begin to talk about these issues in our life. Mainly, many times, as we begin to talk about it, we begin to look like I did the first day I popped open that box and saw all that stuff and go, Oh, my Lord, have mercy. We'll get to this point and we'll find out and we'll, we'll talk about this and that and we'll, we'll look at it and we'll say, I don't know if I can be able to do this. I don't know if in myself I can handle this. We'll get to our point that sometimes we'll just, before we even get in the middle of it, we're like, ooh, I don't know. And sometimes we'll start playing around in the edges of it. And many times we're like going, 
Woo, I don't know exactly if I can do this. And we'll start all of a sudden begin to back out of it slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Because sometimes we look at situations and we look at what can be. And we look at things and we're like going, it is beyond what I can be able to do. But brother and sister, let me share this one thing with you. You have a purpose. As we talked about last week in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. If you forgot this, let me show you this passage of scripture. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. I love how the NIV puts it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We may understand this. I love this passage of scripture in Isaiah 49 verse 1. We talked about it last week. I want to share it with you one more time. Listen, O coastlands, to me. And take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He has made mention of my name. We talked about that, that before you were even born, the Lord had a purpose for you. Before the moment of your conception, He had already come to a place that He was there beginning to mold and beginning to put giftings in your life so that you can be able to fulfill the potential that God has in your life. Your place of contentment, your place of happiness, your place of blessing, your place of hope, it usually is found wrapped up somewhere in you using your gifts for the Lord. You'll find it many times. And this is the thing that I find because in verse 1 it talks about potential. But this is sometimes where the rubber meets the road. Because many times in our life that we come to a place that we have purpose but purpose and potential mean nothing if you don't do something with it. There must be some type of accomplishment. There must be something where we begin to tap into our, our potential and we begin to find and begin to accomplish our purpose. We must begin to tap into what God has given us and allow us to begin to pursue and to accomplish the purpose for us being here. Listen to what he says in verse 2 because the very first verse talks about potential. The second verse begins to talk about something completely different. And he capital H, talking about Almighty God. And God has made my mouth. <laughs> In verse 1, what did the Lord call him to be? He called him to be a what? In verse 1, called him to be a what? A prophet. Come on somebody, open up your ears and listen this morning. He called him to be a prophet. And now, in verse 2, he says this, And he has made my mouth. Prophets use their mouths. And he says this, God has made my mouth as a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. And he has made me a polished shaft in his quiver he has hidden me. 
Listen, what does that mean? It means this, brother, and that is this. You have potential. You have an ability. You have something that God has put within you. But brother and sister, you not only have potential, but you also have God-given divine help to be able to make you into what God has called you to be. Brother and sister, understand something today. God not only gives you potential, but He also gives you the divine help to be able to be what God has called you to be. Now, no matter what your potential is, and no matter how big that your issue is, and how big your stuff is, and how big the, the, the job that God has called you to, realize this. That in the midst of that job, God says this, I will not leave you by yourself. But I am going to be there to be able to help you in the midst of your potential. Notice that the Lord, He formed Isaiah. He knew the potential before He even conceived him. But in this, He now puts His hands and He says, If you will allow me, I will help you to become the very thing that I have put inside of you. And brother and sister, this is the exact same thing that's happening in our text today. Because here we find that Moses has been given one of the largest job opportunities in all of the Word of God. Because here the Lord Almighty is calling Moses to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. He is defying the armies of Egypt. He is defying the wealth of Egypt. He is defying the very culture of Egypt. He is defying everything. And he's coming to a position that the Lord now begins to look at this and he sees Moses and he's calling him to a place where there now is huge opportunity. This is a huge job description. This job description is just out of this world. But notice this. In verse 7 through 10, he says this. This is your job opportunity. This is your job description, Moses. This is what I'm calling you to be. But brother and sister, look at what he begins to say in verse 12 of Exodus 3. I will certainly be with you. Understand this. God will never ever call you for something and put potential in your life to do something without thereby giving you the help to be able to do it. That which he begins to birth in your heart, he also gives the ability to begin to execute that which is in your heart. Brother and sister, understand something. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant 
not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but guess what? But the Spirit gives life. Paul says this, Yes, the Lord calls us into ministry. He calls us to be able to serve. But in the midst of His calling, He also empowers us so that we can be able to do what God has called us to do. It doesn't matter what God is calling. It doesn't matter the place and the purpose. It doesn't matter where that it is. It doesn't matter if God is calling. You know what the, the crazy thing? I think it was, I was watching the inauguration of the day and I saw Paula, I think her name, Paula White, was there that prayed uh, at the, the, the inauguration. And, and I was sitting there and I was watching her and I was like, I was in a conference in a place where she hired her worship leader out of the same place that I was at at that conference. And at the time, you know, she was just regular pastor. She hadn't made it, you know, to, to where she's at now. And I was thinking there, I was thinking, man, it's amazing what God can be able to do if you just give Him the opportunity to be able to do it. She so says, so many times we get to a position where that we look at the job and we look at the opportunity and instead of looking at the opportunity and, we're, and we get all freaked out because of the opportunity and God just says this, don't freak out over the opportunity without first understanding that whenever you go, I'm going with you. Whenever you begin to teach, I'm teaching with you. Whenever you begin to talk to somebody about the Lord, I'm talking with you. Whenever you begin to do, I begin to do with you. Certainly I will be with you. How big... And bloated, do we think of ourselves? And we're like walking in going, yeah, I'm going to be able to handle this. And understand, God understands who we are. And He understands exactly that no matter who we are, we all need help. So this is the reason why He writes in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, for, in, uh, chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not about the job. It's not about the purpose. It's not about the potential. It's about God. He can do all things with you. Why do we freak out about the job whenever God says, I will certainly be with you? Over at Tim, but you know, you know, uh, uh, but you're talking about a Sunday school class. You're you're talking you're talking oh. Let me just share something with you. There are some individuals that have the gift of teaching. And there are some individuals that are just not there yet. And that's fine, because guess what? You're going to get there. You have the giftings, it just has not been developed in you. That's okay, guess what? God's going to continue to work with you, and guess what? It's going to be developed in you. But brother and sister, there's a huge difference between me not being developed, and then me at the same time not being ready to trust the Lord whenever the opportunity is given. I'm, I know I just stepped on some toes. But then, but I can't, I can't be able to talk to him about the Lord. You know, he, he, he works with me. I, I, I can't be able to talk to him about the Lord. Yes, you can talk to him about the Lord. 
Why? Because, brother and sister, the Word of God tells us this, that the Lord will even give us the words to be able to speak if we will just trust Him, if we will just step out and be able to do. It's not about the job. It's not about the purpose. It is about the Lord. And He is with you today. You have a purpose this morning. Not only do you have a purpose, but you also have, have help from the Lord to accomplish that purpose. Many times we understand the promise of help, but when the reality of the responsibility of that purpose begins to weigh on us, then many people begin to doubt their ability. And then they make excuses on why they can't live up to that purpose. But today I just say this, stop making excuses for your failure that hasn't even happened yet. Some of us begin to make excuses for our failure before we've done even anything. You're already planning for your failure before you even do anything. Brother and sister, understand something. It's time that we drop the excuses of this and that and all the crutches and everything else and just begin to believe the Word of God and take the example of Moses that as God leads you and God begins to put in you, yes, He will be with you and help you. From witnessing at your work to living for God at your work, from doing something in the church, whatever it may be, brother and sister, understand, 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 understand. The Lord Jesus is with you. And He will help you. Brother and sister, you don't have to make excuses because He's going to be there to help you. See, brother and sister, the, exa the example of Moses tells us something. You can have questions because he had questions. You can have doubts because he had doubts. But yet in these questions and doubts, he also received something that sparked faith and hope in his life. And with that faith and hope, he fulfilled the purpose of his life. Yes, yes, yes. But this morning, the Lord wants to be able to spark that purpose or that hope and faith in the Lord that allows you to achieve your purpose. Amen. Now, the Lord was able to do this by answering two questions of Moses. Now, I want to share them with you very, very quickly. The first one is this. It's found in Exodus chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Look at that very, very quickly this morning. Exodus 3, 13 and 14. Listen to what the Word of God says. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is in his name, or what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Amen. Oh, Lord Jesus. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. The I am has sent you. Brother and sister, understand something. It is hard to trust anybody when you don't know them. 
Moses is asking in this in this passage of scripture, that's pretty much is. Who in the heck are you? He's saying, you done showed up in a fiery, burning bush. But who are you? You can be able to be in a position where you can experience the presence of the Lord. And you can see it. That doesn't mean that you actually know who it is. You can be in service where you can see where people can be able to come to the altar and just see people just broken. And then on the other side, you can see other people that are just like, as brother said, there's a huge difference between knowing somebody and then just being around them. Let me share this with you. But Pastor Tim, what is the difference in, 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 in our purpose being revealed? I'll tell you what the difference is this. Those that do not know him will never ever be able to fulfill the great purpose in their life. Why? Because they can't know the Lord because they, they can't trust the Lord because they don't know the Lord. And if you don't know the Lord, how in the world can you trust him when things go wrong? How in the world can you trust him when he says, go somewhere and do what I've called you to do when everybody's looking at you going, that job is too big for you. But in the middle of it, you can be able to say, yes, I will go. Why? Because the Lord is with me. How do I know that the Lord is with me? Because I met with the Lord and the Lord began to share with me who He is. See, brother, understand something. You can be able to sit in this church this morning and leave differently. Or you can be able to sit in this church this morning and you can be able to leave the same way that you came. Understand the reason is this. It's not that you did not hear the word. It's not that you were not here for the worship. It's because of one reason. Somebody got a hold of it because they have learned who the Lord is and they leave differently. God is a God of revelation. And when you begin to receive the revelation of the Lord, you become changed. You begin to know who He is. And the more you begin to recognize who He is, the more I can trust Him. I want to tell you something. I got a telephone call the other day. I'd go into, I had a tire that was, that I had a slow leaking, and I ran up to go get it a quick. Yeah, bring it up right now. Bring it up right now. We'll get you right in. You you can drive it like a getting there and you sit there and it'll be two hours. What happened? I was just on the phone with you 15 minutes ago. Well, you must have talked to her. Sorry. Yeah, he's trying to strangle somebody. I sit there and I had a drink. In one of those coolers, and I was sitting down there, and I was trying to be able to respond to some email, and I was trying to be able to do all this other stuff, and and I got a telephone call, one I'd been waiting for for you know, you know, the, that afternoon and and that morning. He finally came while I was there, and I run outside, and I'm trying to be able to talk to him, and all of a sudden, it dawned on me, I left my drink, and I was thirsty. 
And I went in there and I looked around. There's people all the way around my cup. I picked up my cup. It was almost full. And I just took the top off of it and I went right there. Why? I didn't know none of them folks. Sorry. Brother and sister, but if I was to get up and I was leaving my wife, I'd come back in, grab that thing, and just took a big drink. Why? Because I know her. I trust her. Brother and sister, that is the thing. When you begin to know the Lord, you begin to trust the Lord. And how in the world can you begin to pursue purpose in your life when you don't really know who he is? And it's amazing to me that before Moses left to go to Egypt, what was the very first thing that he had to find out? Who he was. And when he found out who he was, he began to change the way that he acted. Second thing was this. Look at this. We begin to find out something. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, listen to what he says, the second question. When Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say that the Lord has not appeared to you. Verse 2. So the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? And he said, A rod. NIV or NLT. Calls it a shepherd's staff. Now, brother and sister, <laughs> I recognize something. Just, man, I'm about to throw it your way. Realize this, brother and sister, that Moses now knows who the Lord is. And his inherent promise that he's going to go with him. He's already figured out that he's bad to the bone. Why? Because he just set a, a bush on fire and it's not consumed. But I understand something, that there are still lingering doubts that he can be able to do this. Let me share this with you, brother and sister. Even if you know who the Lord is, there will be moments that you are down. But that does not mean that you have to be down and out. I know I already said it already tonight or today. But just because you are down does not mean that you have to be down and out. Because Moses, still knowing who the Lord is, he's still having lingering doubts. And he asks, you know, what happens if this... Really what he's saying is, how can I do this, Lord? And Moses gets this question. What is in your hand? But this is a complicated thing here. It's a shepherd's staff. But you know what, brother and sister? It's also, because within this shepherd's staff, is also wrapped up all of the different failures that Moses had. Within this staff is wrapped up all of the issues that he's had to deal with. See, brother and sister, understand something. Moses, as we talked about last week, was found and raised as Pharaoh's own child, his own grandchild. 
He was really raised to be able to hold a scepter. But because he failed, the scepter was taken. And because he had to run from Pharaoh because he killed an Egyptian soldier that was beating a Hebrew. He was in a desert. But even though he was in the desert, guess what? It found his way to a staff. When he left Egypt, he was at an oasis trying to get water. Some ladies came to be able to feed their sheep and bandits came and tried to be able to assault them and all kinds of stuff and be rude to them. And what did, they, what did Moses do? He came to a position where he helped those ladies. Those ladies then bring him to his father, her, their father. Their father says, I'm a shepherd. And, begins, and Moses begins to grow in trust and in honor in that family. Not only he's given one of his daughters to be able to marry him, but also he gives him a shepherd's staff. And for 40 years in the desert, Moses carries a staff. Let me just share this with you. There's a reason why that he says, why, how can I do this? And he says it's a staff. You know why, brother and sister? It's because of this. Who you are allows you to be able to be what you, what you can be. Okay? What you have experienced, how you have grown in those experiences, building you the character that allows you to be able to be what God has called you to be. You may say, Pastor Tim, but you don't understand. I've not had a lot of, of success in my path. That's okay. Why? Because the Lord says this. You may say, I need to be a scepter to be a Sunday school teacher. I need to have a scepter to be able to do this to tell somebody about Jesus. I need to have a scepter to be able to say this and that. But God says, no, you don't have to have a scepter. You just need to have a staff because that is your life experience. Some of us get so caught up in our life experience and how that we tried, you know, we tried back in, you know, back 20 years ago to try to be this and that. And it just didn't mess up, so I'm just not going to do anything else for the Lord. Can I tell you something? God can teach you in the midst of failure. What is in your hand? What is in your hand this morning? And when you find out what is in your hand, brother and sister, you will be amazed what you can begin to do. Because you know what God did? He said this. He said, I didn't call you because you had a scepter. I called you because you had a staff. And what did the Lord tell Moses? He said, Moses, take your staff and throw it on the ground. And when he threw it on the ground, guess what happened? It turned into a snake. And immediately Moses did just exactly what Lee would have done if that would have turned into a snake. He probably climbed the nearest tree. He was like, what? What? Bye, girl. Lord says, reach down there and grab that snake. When he did, became a staff. Let me share something. The only reason why he's able to grab the snake is because he find out he had found out who the Lord was. Picked up the staff, and all of a sudden, it became a staff again. 
Brothers, let me share this with you. You don't know what God can be able to do with your staff and your experiences until you let God try. You may be ashamed of your story. You may be ashamed of things that have gone on. But brother and sister, those things allow you to be able to continue with what God is doing. And you realize something? That when he stood before Pharaoh and threw down the staff, all these other magicians like, well, I can do that too. But guess what happened? Pharaoh's or Moses' staff consumed the other snakes. What is in your hand this morning? Because each of us have a purpose. Each of us have something to be able to work with. But what do we do with that? Father, in the name of Jesus, today. Thank you, Almighty God, Lord. Lord, for this word and for this people. Dear God, these past two weeks, Lord, we have, we've been talking quite a bit about potential, about purpose, about, about fulfilling that purpose. Dear God, Lord, there's so many excuses. There's so many reasons why we can't be able to do what you're calling us to do. But in every case, the answer is still the same. I am with you. Dear Lord, let us begin to trust you. Let us begin to get to know you so that as we know you, we trust you. And as we trust you, we begin to see things done. You are now listening to the Rose of Sharon Church podcast. It is our prayer that God challenges your heart during this week's message. If you would like to let us know what God is doing in your life, please email us at rostnshare at gmail.com. We're glad you're here. Welcome home to Rose of Sharon Church. The enemy knows. Because I... I will say this. The enemy knows. He recognizes that God is fixing to bless. Let me say that again. The enemy knows and he begins to mess whenever he begins to recognize that God is about to bless. And so whenever he gets, whenever the enemy begins to see, because you know what? I'm not a weatherman. But whenever it's 12 o'clock outside and there's a black cloud coming this way with a little funnel coming on it, you know what? Something in my head goes, that's bad. So when the enemy is not an idiot either, and so when he begins to see the signs of what is beginning to happen in the body of believers, you know what begins to happen? The enemy starts messing with those believers. Why? Because he does not want the full potential of that group to be met, to be able to be met. So what does that mean? That means we got to pray. That means we have got to begin to pray for each other. We've got to become connected to each other so that we know what's going on with our brother and sister. So that we can be able to pray for them 
and bless them and see what God has in store for us. Amen? Our vision, growth. Our vision, growth. Now, I recognize this morning that uh, last Sunday night was our vision meeting where we just talk about some of the things that's going on, some of the things that God has been laying on my heart in different areas of ministry that we just believe that we are going to begin to launch out in and things that we are going to do as a body of Christ. And I begin to share with those that were here just a few thoughts in my heart about where we are going. And this morning for a few moments, I want to be able to just share with you where I believe that the Lord is leading us as a church and that I also believe where God is wanting to be able to do in our church. See, brother and sister, we have a purpose for being. Rose of Sharon has a purpose for being. And let me just share with this. The last two weeks, we have talked about individual purpose. The last two weeks, we have talked about potential. Two weeks ago, the Lord woke me up. Or before I went to bed, I was reading my scripture. Walked in. This passage of scripture is on my heart. Woke up in the middle of the night. Couldn't hardly sleep. This passage of scripture burning on my heart. And I began to talk for two weeks. Dealing, scrap every other plan that I had to deal with this. Our individual purpose. Why? Because each of us have an individual purpose. And if you don't understand that, go to the podcast and you can be able to pick up the last two. You can find it on Facebook. Hallelujah. Last two weeks, you can look it up. Powerful words about your purpose. You have one. There is a reason for your being. You have potential. You have something great with inside of you. But brother and sister, it becomes our responsibility to be able to unleash that potential and put ourselves in a position where God can be able to use what He's put inside of us. Now understand something. That is important for you to understand the last two weeks because, brother and sister, this church cannot fulfill its potential until you yourself fulfill yours. Why? Because your potential is the very thing that allows this church to come into its full potential. As you find your giftings, it expands the giftings of the church. As you find your heartbeat for ministry, then it begins to expand your, the church's heartbeat for ministry. As you begin to fall in love with Jesus, then brother and sister, it expands the compassion of the church. As you get a touch from God, it begins to expand the footprint of revival in this church. Understand something. Understand something. Brother and sister, and I know there every time you can look around, even this morning, you say, Well, we're all well, some of the, the spiritual giants of church may not necessarily be out here today, so I guess we must have just a kind of a low-key kind of worship service this morning. Can I just share this with you, brother and sister? Understand something. God is God. And understand something. You do not need spiritual giants. For you to have a great worship time. What you need is just to have a heart for God. And actually have spent time with God. Before you got into church. So that when you felt the presence of God. You can react to the presence of God. And then 
say this and we're going to move on. Understand something. If you, how many of you have ever been around a hand prime well, uh, for a pump? Oh, the devil. Uh, remember as a child, I learned to drive a tractor on one of these cub tractors. It's still up there. We would take that thing and it, it never, ever automatically started. Because guess what? We have a problem at Rose Sherry Campground many times. That is, everything you use, you have to jump off. Uh, so, uh, so you would have this crank. And I figured out, because I was the low man on the totem pole at that point, and I just walk up, and anybody that was driving it, guess what? You had to crank it. And so you'd stick that crank right in the middle of the front of that thing, you take that thing, and you trying to get that thing to jump and to start and to go. If you are in a position where every time you come to church or every time that you get into a place to worship and it always feels like that it's a what that lets me to know is is that we have not been primed. We have not been ran all week and our spiritual engine is And what begins to happen is we have to have people that tries to reach into our life and kind of hand crank us, try to get us going, try to get us started. But let me just share this with you. You say, Pastor I am not a emotional person. Can I share something with you? Emotionalism. Yeah, I, I, I can be able to talk to you a whole lot. That the, David says that when you worship him, you will worship him in soul, mind, body, spirit. You, you worship it in every area of who you are. So guess what? There is room for emotionalism. Why? Because that's where your spirit is. Your emotional center is. But let me just share some with you. Every person reacts to those things differently. I've been around people that they go and they see, a, a, you know, those little dog commercials on television. And they're like, oh. And other people are like going, hurry up. Get back to the show. Right? It, it. Why? Because each of us are different emotionally. But understand this, brother and sister. If you have been in the presence of the Lord throughout the week, when you get into His presence, you come to a place that you are ready to be able to commune with Him. You are ready to be able to worship Him. You're ready to experience His presence. It doesn't matter why. Because it is me communing with the Lord. Sister, understand something. That is the reason why that we've been talking about individual purpose. Because, brother, sister, whenever you begin to talk about the church, there then comes into corporate purpose. And we as individuals play into that corporate purpose. Because as I get a hold of God and I begin to allow my giftings to come forth, it enhances what God is able to do in a body of believers. So when we all begin to find our place and we begin to feel that place of ministry within this church, then the purpose of the church can then be executed effectively and successfully. Mm. Heard one amen. Let me say that again. That's a good saying. 
When we all begin to find our place and then begin to fulfill that place of ministry within this church, then the purpose of this church can be executed effectively and also successfully. God wants us to be effective and successful in our purpose. To reach our purpose as a church, I believe that the direction that the Lord is leading us is exemplified in the example of the first church of the book of Acts. Okay? Our purpose is as the first church's purpose. I want you to look here at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Flip over. Luke chapter 24. And I just want to share this with you. And I want to preach just part of what I talked about last Sunday night. Luke 24. Look at verse 46. When you have it, say amen. Listen to what the word of God says. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it is necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Let me just stop for just a second at that point. He's telling the church before he ascends up into heaven, I'm calling you. I am giving you this purpose to witness and to tell my story of what you have seen to the people that are around you. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 tells us this. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and to Judea and to Samaria and to the end of the world. Brother and sister, let me share this with you. Their purpose, the first church's purpose, is now our purpose. Say that again. Their purpose is now our purpose. Our purpose is to impact the world around us with the testimony of life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Brother and sister, we are to display that message. We are to display that ministry in our lifestyle, in our word. We, our purpose, is the same as their purpose to touch this world and impact this world by the power of God. But the awesome thing about this purpose is this. He does not send us alone in this purpose because the word of God says that he not only gives us a purpose, but he gives us help for the purpose. Luke chapter 24, look at verse 49. Listen to what he says. In verse 48, he says, you shall be witnesses of these things. But in verse 49, listen to what he says. Behold, I send the promise of of my father upon you but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Yeah. 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 
and sister understand something. Their purpose is our purpose. Just as their help is now also our help. Understand something, brother and sister. The Lord understood that in the purpose that he was giving us, we also needed Holy Ghost divine intervention help on our behalf to do the very ministry that he's calling us. Hear me, brother and sister. The purpose of this church is to impact this county for Jesus Christ. But understand something. He does not leave us alone in the purpose. Why? Because just as with the first church, he sent the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 2. Look at Acts chapter 2 very, very quickly. Acts chapter 2. Look at verse 1. This is what the Word of God says. Then the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Oh, Lord Jesus. Brother and sister, every time that we walk in this building. My prayer is this. Holy Ghost, feel this place. Holy Ghost, feel this place. Every time we walk in on a, on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, in special services, dear God, let the Holy Ghost feel this place. Let it completely fill it up from side to side, from front to back. Every single Sunday school class in the nursery, in the kids' church, the fellowship hall, even in my office, wherever. Let the Holy Ghost fill the house. Does anybody else agree with me? Holy Ghost, fill the house when we get together. Come on, somebody. Come on, home folks back there. Somebody raise a hand and just say glory. Realize something, brother and sister. We've come to a place. Now, we come to this place. that we, we want the Holy Ghost to show up. Because listen to something. When the Holy Ghost shows up, stuff happens. When the Holy Ghost shows up, what happens? Stuff happens. When the Holy Ghost fills a house, stuff happens. Things that are crazy, things that are amazing, things that are powerful, lives begin to change. This is what begins to happen in verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And brother and sister, I could talk a little bit about that, but let me just sum it up with this, because i got to talk about a few other things. That's why i got to talk about vision. So let me just share this with you, brother and sister. Understand this. There is a reality to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Let me say it again. There is a reality for those of you that have not already figured it out. This is a Pentecostal church. We may be associated with the Assemblies of God, but brother and sister, understand something. We are a Pentecostal church. And brother and sister, understand something. There is a reality in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Assuredly, as there is salvation, 
Yet there must be healing. Because the cross paid for it all. And as surely as there is salvation, there's also a promise of the Father. If His Word is true, and if His Word is faithful, and His Word is forever settled in heaven, if there is salvation, there also must be a baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it's real. Let me share this with you. It is not something to be scared of. It's not something to run from. But brother and sister, it is something that is natural. Natural for the child of God to eventually become baptized in the Holy Ghost. You get hungry enough, God will fill it for you, brother and sister. You seek after him enough, he will fill, it, fill you, brother and sister. If you come to a place that you're ready, he will fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Brother and sister, for that kind of stuff to happen, guess what? We need to be able to make sure the environment is right. Oh, oh Jesus. Oh, folks, it's time that we come to a place that we understand that just in Acts chapter 1, they prayed and they sought God. And whenever they got into the upper room, the atmosphere was right. And when the atmosphere was right, guess what? The Holy Ghost showed up. God wants our church to be a church with an atmosphere that allows for the supernatural to take place. Listen to me. Listen to me. Oh, Jesus. Y'all going to forgive me for just a moment. Let me just be blunt for just a second. Then we can go on and shout for just a moment. Let me share something with you. The atmosphere is created not by the lights, not by the music, not by the decor. The atmosphere can be helped by those things. But the atmosphere is created whenever there are believers yes. that have been praying yes. before they get here. Yes. And they are ready to be able to come into the presence of the Lord. Yes. The Brother and sister, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness... They shall be filled. Yes. Brother and sister, there's one thing that I found about God. That whenever you show up hungry in a church service, God will always show up in some form. And when he shows up, he brings extra for everybody. Honey, if you will just get a hungry for God and get into his presence, he will bring on Sunday morning extra for everybody else around you. Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. It fulfilled the Lord's promise that He was going to send help. Amen. And today, the Holy Spirit still empowers believers to fulfill their purpose. The Lord wants to empower us as individuals and as a church to fulfill our purpose. And now, notice something in Acts chapter 2 when the believers were in the upper room that experience with God. That encounter with God and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it overflowed into the streets. Okay? You begin in verse 5 and continue down all the way around to verse 41 or so. You can begin to see the chain reaction that begins to happen. All of a sudden the Holy Ghost falls. It spills out into the streets. 
People are speaking in tongues. The people that are around are going, I've said it again, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Brother and sister, in every great move of God, there will be some people that are going, But also in every great move of God, there will always be a man of God that's able to stand up and say, this is that which is prophesied by the prophet Joel. Let me share something with you. If the only thing that you're trying to do is just trying to be able to just justify the move of God and try to be able to explain the move of God, sometimes we just need people just to experience the power of God and allow God to raise up the right person to say, this is that. Oh, Lord Jesus. You know what I'm talking about. We'll get into church and we'll get into a move of God that's going on and immediately we're like going, all the days. I brought my friend. <laughs> and so while the power of God is beginning to move, and Sister Warhoop is going, You've got sister, you know, helicopter. Woo! Thank you. Thank you. You've got all this stuff going on. And in the middle of all that, you're sitting there going, God, I brought my friend. He's going to be freaking out. So you're trying to act like you're worshiping, but at the same time, you're like going, it's okay. Sometimes you just got to be who you are. Let me just share this again with you. Understand something. You just need to be who you are. And if you're a child of God, be a child of God. You're a Pentecostal believer. Be a Pentecostal believer. Look, shout, dance, enjoy the presence of God and see the power of God revealed in your life. Understand something. I found this to be true. There may be moments that people go, but if you will just allow the presence of God to fall, they may be going, but they will understand that something is going on that they can't understand, but they know that something's going on. And realize, brother and sister, that it was not during the move of God that you had Peter explaining it. It was after. Here we come, brother. So I'm here to tell you something. God will always come to a place that he will braise up the man in any God-centered move of God that will stand up and say, this is that which is prophesied by the prophet Joel. They will begin to explain what's going on. Woo, Lord have mercy. But understand something, my brother and sister. Understand what begins to happen. And it's this, this. Whenever you get in that position where God begins to move and you just begin to be God, allow God to be God, and there begins to be a power of God that people begin to understand. They know that God is doing something. And in the middle of them knowing that God is doing something, 
They may not understand it, but they will give you the opportunity to explain it if you will just let God be God. Because you don't want to talk them through it. And then then they're not really experienced it. And then look at you and go, well, if it was really real, you wouldn't have been talking. You know Jesus. Say something. If you are really, have you ever thought about this? Think about this. You're in the move of God. You, you can be the greatest example or the greatest detriment to your friends and your family experiencing a move of God. Why? Because they equate you as knowing the Lord you're talking about. And they watch you. And if you are not living in a way, it causes the Lord to be either glorified or doubted. I know I'm preaching and y'all are just saying, dear God, is this brother ever going to get finished? But listen, brother and sister, in Acts chapter 2, verse 7 and 14, the word of God says this, that in those moments, in those moments, whenever they began to be used of God and they began to speak, the people looked around, they were like, they went, what? But in verse 7 and verse 14, in the midst of their what, they were amazed at what God was doing. Why? Because they recognized the only way that these guys can be able to do what they're doing is if Almighty God was speaking to them. Come on. Come Let me share this this morning, brother and sister. Understand this, that you are in a position where you need to know that God is God, that the Holy Ghost is still able to move, that the power of God is still great, and so let them flow through you in Jesus' name. That's this. They come to a place. Peter stands up in the middle of it. He says, this is that. He starts talking about this is that. You know what begins to happen? People begin to hear. They begin to recognize what's going on. And begin to hear. And listen what then begins to happen. Because brother and sister understand something. We, their purpose is our purpose. Their help is our help. Their purpose is to reach the lost, to impact the world. Ours is to impact our county. Guess what? They had help. We have help. But you know what that begins to produce? It begins to produce one thing. Church growth. Listen to what it says in verse 41. After Peter began to speak, they then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Catch this. They went from the 150 to 3,000. Just like that. Okay, my question is this. How in the world do you handle going... Was it like 2,500% increase just like that? How in the world do you come to a place where you have church growth that is so spontaneous, 2,500%? Boom! How do you get that to grow? 
How do you get that to mature? How in the world do you allow that to happen? See, brothers and sisters, let me share this with you. Church growth is not derived or explained by how many people come to the altar and accept Jesus as, your pers- as their personal Savior. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 28, that you would go and make what? Disciples. It's not enough to see people come to an altar. There must be discipleship. Let me share some with you. 3,000 come to know the Lord. Woo, glory, 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 glory. Guess what? You have 150 that have to disciple them. Woo, Lord, have mercy. Jesus, help us all. Understand something. That means each believer is discipling multiple people. But guess what? The same person who gave us the purpose is the same person that gives us the help. And guess what? If you help them, he'll help you too. Mm, Catch this. Look at verse 42. And they continued steadfast. And who continued? The 3,000. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done through the apostles. Now catch this. Discipleship, fellowship, they began to bring them into the body of Christ. And as new people were added and discipled in the body of Christ, faith began to grow, and then an honor toward God began to grow. And then guess what happened? The miraculous began to go. Verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. Sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church as daily those who should be or were being saved. Amen. 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 Well, understand what's happening. They go from a church, 150 that had experience, an overflow experience with the Lord, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost, and 150 turned into 3,000. And the 3,000 then began to incorporate them into the church and all of a sudden 3,000 became 3,150 and 3,150 began to see the power of God and 3,150 began to see people one to God day by day by day by day by day catch this Holy Ghost outpouring of believers in the upper room led to the people around them experiencing the power of the Holy Ghost. And that experience of the supernatural led to them hearing the word of God and then responding to the altar call and receiving Jesus. This is what we want at Rose of Sharon. It starts with believers 
having a Holy Ghost revival in their lives that spills out into the church at large and from the church at large into the world and the community around us. Listen, there's a number of elements that the first church has and that we need to see and we need to have to see powerful and sustained church growth. Number one is this, in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, you find it there, an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 2 and verse 5 and the following, they had an experience with the power of God. The overflow of the Holy Ghost allowed other unbelievers to see God is real. And then from that with outreach, in chapter 2, verse 14 through 41, and then from that outreach, they saw 3,000 souls soul saved. And then in verse 42, they did three things with these 3,000. They began to disciple, they began to fellowship, and they began to pray. Mother and sister, let me share this with you. You cannot have discipleship. You cannot have people knowing and growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. New believers becoming old believers New believers becoming experienced believers. New believers becoming sustained believers. New believers becoming impactful believers. If there is no discipleship. If there is no fellowship. And if there is no prayer. But sister, you have to, as 150 that we have, you have. To share the word. Fellowship with that word. And pray together. Brother and sister, you understand that you have to be taught all this stuff. It doesn't come natural. Sometimes you have to be taught how to fellowship. Brother and sister, understand something. We need to fellowship with each other. One of the greatest needs that Rose is sharing is our ability. We do not have a problem with seeing people come to the altar. Okay, we do not have a problem with the Holy Ghost beginning to move and people come to the altar. But brother and sister, what we need to do better is this. Discipling people. Oh, I'm about to, you can just go ahead and just tell your toes. Say, toes, get ready for just a moment. Because he's about to put a bow on this. But that means he's going to have to step on a few toes. Let me share this with you. If you are an experienced believer, and if you do not have somebody under your care that you are discipling, then you're missing out on the true purpose that you have. You say, Pastor Tim, uh, where is that in the Word of God? Listen, Matthew chapter 28 tells us the Great Commission is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them, and disciple them. There, there is, brother and sister, understand there is a correlation between growth in a church and how well we disciple those that come to our altar. Okay? Brother and sister, understand something. This is something that even in my spirit, even in me, that I've been saying, Lord, how, how can I do this better? How can we be able as a body to do this better? Brother and sister, understand something. I am in the process now of reaching out every single week to 42, now 44 people trying to be able to disciple them. 
44. You cannot, if Jesus cannot disciple 12 people by himself, understand them and he lose one, guess what? I am over my head in that. Because I'm nowhere like Jesus. You're saying something. We as a body of believers must begin to institute principles that allow us to disciple people. What good is having a move of God if people just come to the altar for them to get up from the altar and battle and, and try to be able to make it for two weeks only to give up on God and get bitter with God because somebody did not come to an altar, pray with them, grab them by the shoulder and say, I'm going to be with you. Here is my telephone number. You need me. I'm going to be praying for you. Brother and sister, understand something. So one of the things that we talked about is this. We're going to begin to institute something here at Rosa Sharon. Something that's a little different, but it's been on my heart for six months. Been praying about for six months. But what we're going to be doing is this. We're going to do it the way that Acts chapter 2 did. We're beginning discipleship groups. Life groups. Where that we're able to put Young or old, put them together and let them grow together with somebody that can disciple them. We're starting off on Sunday nights with a large group. Beginning in, 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 in March, we'll have an informational meeting there, I think, on uh, February the 20th, whatever it is, the last Sunday in February. And then we're going to begin to branch out and begin to grow. We're going to begin to learn to disciple. We're going to begin to learn how to fellowship. We're going to learn how to be able to pray together. And in Jesus' name, we're going to grow young adult ministry in this church so that we can be able to pass on Pentecost, not from just a bunch of older saints to empty pews, but be able to pass on Pentecost from older saints to young saints and allow them to pass on Pentecost from young saints to younger saints in Jesus' name. So, brothers and sisters, that's what we're going to begin to do. We're going to begin to disciple. We're going to begin to reach out. Brothers and sisters, this is the thing that we're going to begin, and we're going to be doing a lot more information as we get closer and, and sign up so that you can become a part of it. But understand this, brother and sister, it is something that we need to understand that if the first church went from house to house and everything else, and to be able to disciple individually, to pray for each other individually, to be able to fellowship with each other individually, then brother and sister, we need to do a better job at it. And guess what? We're going to. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. And that's the awesome thing, brother and sister. See, I love this about God. Because you can be able to say, Pastor Tim, that's my toes. That hurt my toes. But understand this. In the middle of the toe, the Lord then says, now take off that shoe and let me just work on it a little bit. Because guess what? You've got some miles to be able to walk. You've got some people that we need to disciple. You need some people that you need to love. So let me help you with your feet so that I can be able to pour into you and that you can pour into others. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to begin to do that for our older saints. We're going to have something I, I like to call prime timers. I don't know. We're going to have lunches 
Garrett for lunch. We're going to start off once a month, begin to have luncheons. Why? Because of one reason. You need fellowship just as much as the younger folks do. We're going to get together. We're going to pray together. We're going to fellowship together. We're going to eat together. Thank you. And then, yeah, I'm inviting myself. Hallelujah. <laughs> we're going to come together. And we're going to break bread. And we're going to pray together. And we're going to get to know each other. And guess what? We are going to learn to be a community of faith. Look at your neighbor and say a community of faith. Brother and sister, we're going to learn to be able to love on each other and pray for each other and pray the Holy Ghost down in the middle of our circumstance and situation. Why? Because God is able. Brother and sister, we're going to have a Monday night prayer group. Get together and pray. You say, Pastor Tim, I don't know how to pray. I don't really know why. I, have to. I, say, I encourage you. Come and just pray. And if you run out of stuff to pray, then listen to the people around you praying and just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Learn how to pray. Being around prayer. So, brother and sister, what began to happen is this. The new believers that are growing in discipleship, fellowship, and prayer, they begin to have a new honor of who God is. And they begin to experience the power of God. As they experience the power of God, guess what then begins to happen? Unity and compassion are found. Verses 44 and 45. They begin to give to each other. They begin to bless each other. Nobody took advantage of it. They just began to give to each other. Why? Because they became a community of faith. Unity. Compassion one to another. Let me share something with you. I, I've been around people that say, Pastor Tim, you just please don't tell this. You know, don't, I, I don't want I don't want anybody else to know what's going on. I just want to just I just be right here and I'll hold on to it and I will I'll just suffer with it by myself. I said, Can I share this with you? That is the awesome thing about the body of Christ. When we become vulnerable with each other, then we can be able to have unity and compassion for each other. We can help each other. doesn't mean we have to stand up in church and go, hey, I've got a problem. But it does mean that I can lean over to my prayer partner, the person that I've grown to be attached to, and just say, I need you to pray with me. Oh, Jesus, let me finish with this. And when unity and compassion was found, faithfulness began to come back to the house of God. Why? Because I was accountable to the people around me. Whenever I'm, I, you know, whenever I miss sitting with the people that I'm around, guess what? They notice. They call. They call. They come by. They fix me supper. I'm sick. They love on me. Why? Because there are friendships that you feel that you allow people yourself to be vulnerable with. There's been more than one time I said, is there anything we do? Oh, that's fine, that's fine. And I know in my heart they need us to do something. But if you don't want to be vulnerable with me, I can't force you to be. But that's the awesome thing about having fellowship within the body of Christ. I can be vulnerable, maybe not to a group, but to these three people, I can be vulnerable with. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, listen to this. Faithfulness to church and to each other in verse 46 then leads to what in verse 47? When they all got together, there was unity in the house. There was unity in the body of Christ. 
there was power that was then in display in the body of Christ. And they began to praise God. And they began to worship God. And there began to be outreach to the people around them. And every single day there was new people one to God. And guess what? The church grew. things that we talked about we're beginning then to be able we want to see growth in every area of our church and in you as individuals we want to see our youth grow we want to see revival break out in our youth we want to see revival break out in our children and allow them to be able to grow there's some great new things that's getting ready to start up in our children's program getting ready to do a whole rebranding, get ready to do a whole new stuff back there in the back, begin to reach out to our small families and reach out to people that need. Brothers and sisters, some great stuff is happening, but understand, we need to come together as a body of Christ and begin to fellowship together, pray for each other, disciple each other, and begin to pray and to pour into each other and find our place. Our desire, Rosa shared, is fulfilled with purpose to impact people's lives. This morning, we want to see the